Seahawks 24, Giants 3. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by Seek Geek. I'm your host, Bob. Just going to hear with my co-host, Justin Panic. And the Giants are 1-3. And, and to me, it's not even just being 1-3. It's how you got to 1-3. You know, you lost to the Cowboys and the 49ers, and you look really bad. But those teams have elite talent, right? They have elite pass rushes. They've got aggressive defenses. they got all pros and good offenses. But to lose like this to the Seahawks and have your only win versus the Cardinals, I, I just and I don't care who you are, right? If you are like, hey, I think there's going to be some natural regression. You can't win all the one score games. Uh, you know, maybe there's some things that get figured out with this offense. I just don't think anyone who was being reasonable and not just a troll thought it could be this bad, this pitiful, and this bad to where they have scored a combined 15 points and three losses to start the season. Like this offense has gotten significantly worse with better players. Justin. Yeah. Hey, Hey Bobby Skinner. And there's no excuse. I I, I really don't think there's any excuse for it to be this bad. Like you said, there could have been regression. They could have gotten worse in some areas. And especially when you say Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley isn't here, but there's no excuse for it to be this bad. Um, here's some stats. You know, I'm a stats guy. Like no excuse for this game. Like there's just no excuse for this game. Right, right. Hey, I mean, we can even make the argument for you know, there's there's no excuse to have an offense that's inoperable, even when you play the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. We can I I can make that argument. We've talked about it even in the past too. The Giants offense has scored more points for their opponents than points scored themselves. That was kind of like a, a brain thought that I had. And then Bobby and I, we were talking pre-show, and it's actually a, a legit stat. And their Outs- losses. Outside of the Cardinals game, the Giants have given away more points on offense and special teams than scored. 21 to 15. Not great. The Giants have averaged five points per game if you take away the Cardinals game. They still haven't scored a touchdown in the first half. They haven't scored a touchdown at home yet in eight quarters. They've allowed the most sacks through two home games ever according to ESPN stats and info. And the funny thing is, is that I don't even think the O-line played. That got awful tonight. We'll talk about it. And Daniel Jones had an average depth of target of three, which is in the first percentile, while we have guys like Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slate, and Darren Waller getting a total of eight targets on the game and three targets in the first half. Oh, yeah, they also had 10 games, 10 days to prepare for this game, too, and to try and get better and find some sort of semblance uh, of an offense find some sort of pulse on offense against the Seahawks defense that has allowed Adam Thielen and Andy Dalton last week to have a pretty damn good game, and they've allowed some explosive plays. So um, if there was a game where the Giants offense was going to get back on schedule, it was this game, and yet we saw another game where they couldn't score a touchdown, another game where the offense totally looked inoperable, and the frustrating thing is that it really does start with Daniel Jones, and that's not a sentence I want to be saying uh, basically 25% of the way into the season. Least amount of points scored in first two home games of a season. The Before this was the Jags with five points, I think, in 2013. Now, I disagree. The offensive line to me did play terrible. But it doesn't, like, it's to me, like, I agree with you with this, where they gave 11 fucking sacks. Like, you got, like, I don't care when they happen. That's terrible. But this game does start with Daniel Jones, Right. And I think this could be the worst game of his career. Now, I went back and looked at it. I, I think the 2020 Bucks Monday Nighter, just love Monday Night Football, is probably worse. I don't think the Jason Garrett Monday Night Football game versus the Bucks 
is worse, but I do think that 2020 might be worse. But there was, but the thing was, is there were some wow moments in that play game. Yeah, the touchdown to Deion Lewis, the touchdown to Golden Tate at the end. Um, but it had dumb interceptions and missed throws. Um, here's the thing: we're going to talk about 11 sacks, right? Well, five of the eight happened uh, once Daniel Jones picked six and threw the game away, right? And the uh, five of the eight in the second half. The three in the first half were totally avoidable by Daniel Jones. The third one is arguable, and we'll talk about it. Um, but it's 14 to three. You drive down the field and you throw that pick six, Justin. And that is just so unacceptable. Like they're looking to jump quick stuff. They have Paris Campbell bracketed on both sides. I don't care which way you thought Paris Campbell was moving, he was covered on both sides. And you just decide pre snap, that's where you're going based off of their alignment. You just pre-snap off of their alignment, decide that's where you're going. Witherspoon jumps it, and instead of the game being 14 to 11 or 14 to 10, it's now 21 to three, and the game is over. It's and yeah. again, it, it, you you have a fumble in the first half. They score. They you know they get the ball down to the seven yard line. Score two plays later, and you know two of their three touchdowns come off of Daniel Jones turnovers. Obviously, the the pick six much worse than the the strip sack. Um, the offensive line in the first half was not good, but when they were able to keep some type of pass rush balance, it was not totally keeping them from moving the ball. It was had issues, but it was not totally holding them back. And again, DJ created sacks, right? One, they ran out of bounds. That's okay. A one yard loss, another big deal. But again, the free rusher play, like you have to see that. You have to see that and throw hot, and he just sits there and takes the sack on in and ends a drive. Um, and then the play action one we'll talk about. But again, like DJ, there was no aggression. Lowest average depth of target in the NFL this season at three yards was throwing an average of seven yards short of the first down marker. And then on throws of over 10 yards, he was one for two for 22 yards and an interception. Now, again, the offensive line was absolutely dog shit, and I do want to talk about that because it it does suck. But outside of that, Daniel Jones had a horrible game, and he was to me like, if you if if you want to say the offensive line is number one, go for it. But DJ was number two on why the Giants lost this game, right? And JMS gets injured. You have a Zulu Lemieux, Bredesen, McKeith, and Neil. But you whatever whatever you want to argue, DJ was one of the top two reasons the Giants lost this game. And that sucks. That really sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And Daniel Jones this season overall has not been an advantage outside of two quarters against Arizona. And that's a sentence that sucks to say as well. Even like, again, and this is why it's so complicated and nuanced because I'm sitting here and I, and I say that sentence of, I don't feel like Daniel Jones has been an advantage. Well, how can you be an advantage when you have that offensive line? So I get it. Like all these things are true. All these things are true at the same time, but I'm sitting there at that game at MetLife and yeah, the offensive line is, is bad and it was bad, but I'm sitting there at the game at MetLife just feeling like there is time to operate an offense tonight. And for whatever reason, Seahawks secondary doing a good job, locking guys down, they play zone and they were actively trying to prevent the explosive play, even though teams in the past have had really good success finding big plays against the Seahawks defense. That was the frustrating thing today. 
is that Isaiah Hodgins led the team in uh, receiver air yards versus Seattle today at 5.9. Then Darius Slayton was 5.5. Hyatt was at 5. And Darren Waller, a guy that, you know, we that we want to be a balanced receiver, a balanced target at 3.8. And like, what what happened? What happened to the Darren Waller that we saw every single day at training camp? The entire offense. Where he was the entire offense. What what happened to that? Like, what what is different? And I'm not even saying, is it him? Is it Joe? I'm just asking the question, what happened from the guy that was supposed to be the offense this year? More than Saquon Barkley. And this was supposed to be the game where Witherspoon was coming back for the Seahawks. Tyreek Woolen really coming back. And those guys were, you know, getting more healthy. So it's like, all right, well, the receivers may have a hard time getting open, but let's, this is the Darren Waller game. Let's get him more involved. Nothing. Nothing. Three, three targets. Well, and we talk about like, oh, blame and stuff. Like the Dallas game for DJ, there was plays to be left on the field. But again, you talk about how overwhelming the, ru- the rush was. The 49ers game, there was a couple of plays where you think, but even then, if he hits those plays, I don't think it changes the dynamic of the game. This is a game where if they just have a, a, a slightly below average offensive performance out of DJ, they might win this game. There were two drives. There were two drives of 40-plus yards for the Seahawks. I know we're not talking about the defense yet, but two drives of 40-plus yards for the Seahawks. That's it. That's it. If you do what any other, every other team, the Panthers, the, uh, the Lions, or the Rams do versus the Seahawks, you win this game, and you win it pretty comfortably too. Um, and again, that pick six to me is just so brutal. Now let's talk about the offensive line, right? Again. The three sacks in the first half to me were avoidable. Now, the third one, let's talk about the play action where DJ makes the first guy miss. This is something where I I actually I, I got to watch the All-22, shout out coach, to really talk about scheme and stuff. This is the thing. We talked about it coming into this game, Justin, right? Where I'm saying teams are going to get aggressive off the play action. You cannot leave cats unblocked or they're going to get it. And on the first drive of the game, DJ made a guy miss. They left him on block or on the backside of play action. And I tweeted out again, like, you gotta, you can't assume that they're going to play the run. And then on that one, DJ makes the first guy miss and then gets chased from behind by uh, Mario Edwards, the strip sack. Now, Wandale was open in the flats or you could have thrown it away. That one I'm willing to debate, but at the same time, like, I want DJ to hold on to the ball um, there anyways. But that one I, I think is debatable. We'll see when you have all 22 exactly what happened. They, I thought ESPN did a horrible job with their replays, by the way. You have that one game. Do a, do a better job. So is it um, that simple, Bobby? Because I'm like, I'm sitting there in the stadium. I'm being like, we have to, if we're going to run play action as much as we're going to run it, because play action gets Daniel Jones away from the pocket, you at least have to consider it for at least like a half a second that there's a possibility of a run coming, at least for the interior defenders and maybe, I guess maybe even not the edge rushers. So is it is it, is it as simple as that? As what? Why in the world are we are we allowing these backside defenders to come running free on play action attempts? Is it as simple as edge defenders are not respecting play action with the Giants anymore? Yep. Is it as simple as that? Yep. Which is a change, obviously, from what they had last year. Obviously, Saquon uh, being Saquon out, not being I, there, yeah. I think affects that too. But the Giants were able to have like some type of pass rush balance, and like if you go if you go back and watch the offensive line in the first half, it's again, it's certainly not good. 
but it was not hampering them from having any type of offense. Right. And it was missed, like DJ missed one. I think you said DJ missed Wandale on a third down where he was deep down the field. And that's a frustrating thing about DJ. There were so many times this game where nobody's open, nobody's open fine, or, you know, he gets pressure and he's scrambling and he's running. This this is some this is an area where I was expecting Daniel Jones to take a jump in because you have Darren Waller, because you have Jalen Hyatt, because Darius Slayton. This is year five of them together, right? I was expecting DJ to make this jump, you know, especially with the the added skill position players. You see a lot of big plays happen in the NFL that are totally unscripted. QB runs when a quarterback drops back to pass and then he scrambles. When a quarterback is rolling to his left, when a quarterback is rolling to his right and improvising. A lot of the big plays in the NFL that you see, they're like totally unscripted. But I know for a fact, like the best teams, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, they all practice when a, when their quarterbacks are improvising and they're rolling to their right and they're ex- trying to extend plays. They practice on where to go, where to be, how to get open, where to sit, where to find that hole to make it easier for the quarterback to make a throw. And that's part of this game where I, th- where even if the scripted stuff wasn't working, I thought, man, like DJ, make a fucking throw outside the pocket, man. And at least on one play, you know, you mentioned it with Wandale. I think it was on the third down. It was definitely in the first half. The Giants were on their own side of the field because they barely crossed midfield anyway this game. I want to see Daniel Jones make more plays off structure. If the O-line is going to be this bad and you don't feel like you have the confidence to make plays from within the pocket, if you're rolling out to your right and you're not tucking and running right away, you we got to be able to create big plays somehow and making them off structured with the new added weapons that we had this year should not be out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. And again, I, I do want to watch all 22 to see exactly what happened on a lot of stuff, but I, I here's what I come back to is the pick six lost you the game. It, yes. again, it, it totally lost you the game. And if we get basically any Daniel Jones performance from last season, like you copy and paste any performance from last season, the Giants probably win this game. So let me ask you this: because you're not having that pick six, and you're at least getting one or two drives of scores on on you. you you'll have a better idea when you watch the film. Blah 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 blah, and we'll t- and we'll talk about this in the mailbag. Maybe this is a good mailbag question. But I'm a- but I'm just I'm sitting in the car driving on my way home. W- way too much traffic for me leaving at the beginning of the fourth quarter. That just lets you. That just lets you know where the Giants are at as a fan base. I left at the beginning of the fourth quarter thinking I'll actually get a jump on getting home, but it's like, no, the rest of the stadium also left at the beginning of the fourth quarter too. So it was like I was sitting in regular traffic, even though I was listening to the last four minutes of the game. Um, Daniel Jones looked really comfortable in this offense last year. He had a mastery of the offense last year. You could say that it went away towards a little bit of the second half of the year, but I don't fully buy it. Because you had two Vikings games where he had mastered the offense. Bad defense, I know. But the Seahawks' pass defense is a bad pass defense, too. Didn't take advantage of it. You had the Colts game, which was there. Um, you know, you operated a really nice drive against Washington in that win on Sunday Night Football, primetime game. Daniel Jones had mastery of this offense last year. You upgrade skill position players this offseason. What happened, man? Do you think that the coaching staff is now asking him to do more with the upgraded weapons and they're asking him to throw it deep down the field 
And now because of our worries with Daniel Jones of not being able to throw the whole shot and maybe processing post-snap, like some of the worries that we had about Daniel Jones, they're now coming up to the surface because the coaching staff is asking him to do more. Like what happened from the mastery that we had with this offense last year that he had to now the Giants are a bottom three, maybe bottom two offense in the NFL? Well, two things in the first two games on all 22, we did see some stuff that like was put on his plate more and he didn't do uh, our first three games, uh, including the Cardinals game in the first half. So, th- again, gotta I hate to say it, but you got to watch all 22 to get a better idea of what was happening down the field. And, and fuck ESPN, dude, they don't replay shit and they give bad replays too, like tight angles. Like, let us see what's happening down the field for the love of God. Um. But also teams are just jumping on like the quick game and stuff. And you don't have Saquon Barkley. You don't have like a, a the running game that you had last year. Um, right. And this is where it's like when people like to argue that running backs don't matter at all. Like, yes, they fucking do. Um, and then once it gets out of hand because of Daniel Jones, it gets out of hand. Then defenses can just pin their ears back. Right. And that's where you get five sacks and you get five sacks after DJ throws that pick six. And then, I mean, you have four guards starting on the offensive line. <laughs> you have Josh Azudu at left tackle, guard. Shane Lemieux, left guard, guard. Ben Bredesen at center, guard. Marcus and McKeithen, the banished, guard. the banished, that's what I love. That's his new nickname now. The banished Mark Lewinsky. Didn't he find his way back into the starting lineup because Lemieux yeah. got hurt? I don't know if Lemieux got hurt or Lemieux just got benched because he was really bad. And then Neil was really bad too. So then once you get to a point where it's like, okay, you got to throw the ball. Well, then the Seahawks just pin their ears back, right? Where if you kept this game close, if you just – I'm telling you, if you don't have that pick six, like the Giants may have won this game. Like like legitimately may have won this game if they don't throw – if he doesn't throw the pick six. Where I'd say if you get basically any performance from 2022, DJ, you win – you probably win this game. Um, yeah. So, again, the, the 11 sack number, it's ugly. It's really bad, and it is it is a testament to how bad this offensive line is. But Daniel Jones made it worse, right? Where you can you can pin your ears back on this shitty offensive line. Uh, there was a, a guaranteed two sacks in the first half that were totally Daniel Jones' fault and not the offensive line's fault. Um, and then the first two after the half were obviously on the offensive line. Um, so it's it was a bad mix-up. It was a bad meshing of bad of horrible quarterback play and horrible offensive line play for the giants um and you just can't you can't win like that ah yeah i mean that's simple you can't you can't win with with horrible quarterback and horrible offensive line play and that's what the giants got on monday night yeah and when matt Breida is leading the team in targets and receptions i think he was tied maybe with wandale and like the lead you know leading in receptions and targets whatever wandale looked pretty good but when Matt Breida is like your leading receiver, I'm sorry, on a team with Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton, and Darren Waller, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm bringing this up continually because it's like, well, what what what's the reason here? Is it coaching? Is it design? Is it them not getting open? Or is it Daniel Jones not finding them? And I guarantee it, there are times where it could be a bit of the three, but Really freaking frustrating, man, where you spent all summer, you spent all offseason getting excited about the three of those guys and how the three how like three of those guys can 
totally changed the offense from an explosive from an explosive standpoint. And it's just they're the players that you want to rely on to be good for you, even in an offense without Saquon Barkley, just not there. And going up against a pass defense where I was I wasn't enthused about this game. I mean, go back to the preview pod. I literally start off the preview pod saying, I don't have a good feeling about this team. And I certainly, I didn't think I'd be this right. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't think it was going to be this bad. But I still was going into the Seahawks game, Bobby, being like, we could lose the game. And I honestly thought it'd be a little bit more, of, uh, a little bit more on the defense before the game. Like, I'm really shocked at how well they played. We could lose the game, but I thought we were actually going to rip off some explosive plays. Like why not? Like that the, the edge rushers weren't that great. The the it was the interior guys that were really creating the pressure for Seattle, and even then it even wasn't that fantastic. The fact that I think what did they have one pass play at twenty plus yards, and it was to Matt Breida. It was that Matt Breida you know to roll out where Jones was rolling to his left, kind of throws it on the run to Breida on the sideline. Was that the only play at twenty plus yards? Can't have it, man. Just 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 can't have it. It's a shame. Yeah, pretty brutal. Uh, why don't you talk to us about uh, the friends who hosted our tailgate? And I actually want to talk about special teams before we get the defense. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, before we get into that, actually, let, actually talk about Candlewick, and then I want to talk about Brian Dable for uh, oh, yeah. Daniel yeah, Jones yeah, yeah. for a second. Candlewick Diner, man, I'll tell you what, um, Candlewick Diner really delivered the heat today. And you know what was funny? I was talking with Pest the Analyst. He he always comes by the tailgates. He says hello, give him a big hug. I asked Pest the Analyst, I, you know, Pest, you, you know, you want some food? Food from Candlewick? He's like, no. I actually went to the Candlewick Diner this afternoon. So I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. If you don't want to double up, I, I, I totally get that. So Pest the Analyst, already going to the Candlewick Diner in the afternoon, and then plus a bunch of people from our Talking Giants tailgate got to enjoy the best diner in the state of New Jersey, bringing the heat with some mac and cheese. The sausage uh, sausage and onions and peppers are a hit every single year. The penne vodka, simple food, simple tailgate food, but it's so effective. It's so awesome. People were eating it up. They're celebrating their 54th year in East Rutherford this October 26th, and it's the third year partnering with Talking Giants for our tailgates. They are the original food caterer and supporter for the podcast. Manny takes a lot of pride in that. Manny is the owner of the Candlewick Diner. If you go to the Candlewick Diner, make sure you say, hey, Manny, appreciate you Talking Giants sent me. He'd, he'd love to hear it. He takes a lot of pride in like this being our third year partnering, and I take a lot of pride that you know Manny has supported us even from uh, day one. They're located a mile up the road from MetLife Stadium, so they're a perfect spot to grab a pregame meal or a postgame bite. Check out the Candlewick Diner in East Rutherford, New Jersey for all of your diner favorites at CandlewickDiner.com. You'll be glad you did, Bobby Skinner. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast, play fast. Whoa. Ah. Um, can I get sappy now about thanking people coming to the tailgate or should I do that later? Whichever you prefer. Because I'm about I wanna, to get I want to do it now because I hate bitching and moaning and complaining for, you know, a, a whole show. And, you know, when really that may not fully match my mood, I'm, I am upset and I'm pissed off at, at, at this Giants team. But, man, I even, I even was in the car home and I'm like, you know, I'm mad about the results of the team, but. What what makes what makes this time of my Giants fandom life different from previous years where I would just go to a game and I would go home and I'd just be flat out pissed. And now I get to go home and like have a absolutely fantastic time at a tailgate where 
I meet people, people like Mr. Roddy Piper, who we've been talking for for years, uh, Red Yeti Nine, you know, or, or some of our overseas listeners who we talk with for years. They support us for years, and we chat with them. We root for the Giants for years. Finally, get to meet them in person, and it's like, holy shit, you're you're people, and we're like, and we're like friends, and we're just catching up. There was a couple that came from Alabama, who. They came, they said, like, all right, we have to come to the Giants game. We're from Alabama. This is like our one chance to do it. And it's like, plus we have to come to a talking Giants tailgate. We have people from overseas, England, Scotland, every single game. Well, I flew here and I had to also come here. So that's like awesome. Like that's like so freaking cool. Like our, our community amazes me every single game. And I'm even thinking like, oh, Monday night, there may not be a ton of people that shows up. People are working, blah, blah, blah. You know, once it got really to 5.30, 6 o'clock, tailgate was bumping, tailgate was cooking, and it was just fantastic. So, you know, even in the worst of days, it's the community that surrounds us that really does remind me how awesome the things that we're doing and we're all doing it together. So thank you so much. Uh, I love meeting everybody, um, especially, especially those that, Hey, maybe I don't get the chance to see all that often. So the fact that you make it to MetLife stadium and you feel like I need to come to L 16. Absolutely. Awesome. And thank you to Manny and Candlewick for making yes. it, uh, making it a lot easier and making better. it happen. Um, did you see the clips of Dable getting on Daniel Jones? On the, I mean, Dable was like, to me, I was like worse than the Titan screen. At least the scream is angry. That was like just disgust with him. Like you just lost this game type of disgust. Yeah. And that's where it's like, well, we can't put well, guess what? Brian Dable. And then again, we'll we'll see how much of this is on coaching and stuff when we look at film, but besides some stuff you can see on TV or you whatever. You can't throw that interception. You can't throw that interception. Nope. Like that's a that's a that's really, really fucking bad. Waller was open on the post. I don't care if no one was open. You don't throw that ball. No, you can't. That cost you the game. It yeah, was, so I saw was... Dable throwing the iPad. What I really thought was interesting, you can't see Daniel Jones's body language, but it seems like Dable... I don't want to create a storyline, but this is just my like first... I, I watched this a lot because I really wanted to see, is this happening? Daniel Jones... I think Dable's trying to show Daniel Jones something. And Daniel Jones kind of just buried his own head in his own Microsoft Surface tablet thing. And then that's when Dable just fucking yeets the tablet. Um, which I, Dable's a coach that runs hot. I don't I don't think it like I don't think it's like I like that, to be honest. I, I, yeah, I, I, li- I, I like it, but I don't think it's like a uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like a judgment on Daniel Jones's future or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, da- at anyone least who's Dable, mad at Dable for showed. This. Dable showed that it's like there's no player that's excused from a coach being pissed off when a coach is pissed off just because you're the quarterback and you're paid a lot of money, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, you're anyone, not from it. Anyone mad at Dable for that is just clutching their Daniel Jones pearls. Who is mad at Dable for that? Some people being like Dable should be embarrassed. Dable should be discussed with himself or the offensive line, blah, blah, blah. The quarterback made a mistake. <laughs> Giant special teams. I already got this tweet oh drafted God. for the morning, so you probably already saw when you're listening to this. And this is where it's like there's overreaction, like fire Kafka, fire wing, fire, you know. Here's where there's not overreaction. When you say fire the special teams coordinator who has been here since Pat Shermer. The guy came in with Pat Shermer. Eric Gray muffs a punt. 
Darnay Holmes lets a punt put, bounce into the end zone for a touchback. Adora Jackson goes in the game. That's on Dable. Why is Adora Jackson fucking that's that's something you criticize Dable for? Stop with the Adora Jackson shit. Also, there was a punt that he should have caught. I got it. I got it. I got it. Penalty on a kick return that already only went to the 20 yard line. A penalty on a punt. Adore lets a punt that was at the 18 roll to the two yard line because he does he's afraid to catch it. Then you allow a 23-yard punt return plus a 10-yard penalty, and then another penalty on a punt. I mean, one, you have one, two, three, four, four penalties, two bad d- jobs on punt return, or punt and punt return, and you have a guy who muffs a punt and a bad kick return. Like, that's, again, after what happened week one, where the Cowboys, like, like um, Fossil, what's John Fossil's uh, son's name? Or Jim Jim Fossil's his son is John Fossil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really screwed that one up. Uh, who's the special teams coordinator was telling his players, "We're going to block a kick. We're going to block a kick based off of what uh, this happens." You saw it in the preseason. There's just at at what point does Thomas McGahee, who and again another way I want to criticize Dable and had this critic. I remember I remember in Alabama being like, "Why didn't?" They will go out and get his own special teams coordinator. And then you hear about the hiring process of McGahee as McGahee's like kind of pitching it. And Dable's just like, oh, you you want the job, right? And give him the freaking job. Um, McGahee should be fired. Yeah. Our, our special teams are constantly a negative. Constantly a negative. And again, I'm not going to sit here and analyze every single one of those plays, but again, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight really ne- eight negatives in one freaking game on special teams. Special teams has played somewhat of a factor on putting the offense behind schedule, which, you know, that offense probably isn't doing anything anyway, and allowing points. They've it was played- bad last year, too. They've played a huge part in it. And I'm watching Eric. Uh, I'm watching, haven't been good since 2019. I'm watching Eric Gray every single day in training camp. And even so a little bit in the preseason too. He falls down catching every single punt. I, I, I'm starting to regret Eric Gray even being on the 53. What team would have picked him up? I think even I think even the Grump Grump tweeted that out. What team really would have picked up Eric Gray? Get it? He's a fifth round pick. He's a draft pick. Blah 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 blah. I think someone would have picked him up. Running a little hot right now, but like they they practice special teams at least thirty minutes every single practice. Thirty minutes. Do they though? Like we've seen it for two years. They're the they. They don't actually practice. We went well, to Detroit. Damn it, and they're watched, supposed to. <laughs> damn it, they're to supposed Detroit, to. We went to Detroit and watched them practice special teams, and it is intense. With the Giants, it is literally, it is a, always a walkthrough period. It's always a walkthrough period. You have ten guys every single day that are practicing kick, catching kickoffs and practicing catching punts. Yet none of them seem like they can do it. I, I I don't I don't know I, I and I left so I'll tell you when I left I left the game, and it was the the pre-snap procedural penalty on a Giants punt, which gave the Seahawks more yards, 
because I left I left when the Giants ended one of their offensive possessions. I think it was maybe at the start of the fourth quarter, end of the third quarter. And I just fucking lost it. I lost it. Thomas McGahee fucking fire. I, I, I lost my shit, man. I, I, it's like, I feel like I'm living deja vu where I've never cared all that much about special teams. We never care about special teams on this podcast, but I feel like I'm living deja vu where even me being fucking 14 years old, where everything, everything here was about irrationality and emotion. I even knew that Tom Quinn was a terrible special teams coordinator. He lasted through Coughlin. He was even bad under Coughlin. And he lasted all through Coughlin. Lasted all through Shermer. And I think he was still an assistant under Judge. Like he was the assistant special teams coordinator. The dynamic duo of Tom Quinn and Thomas McGahee. And then he finally got out. So it's like, I feel like I'm living deja vu all over again with Thomas McGahee. And both of them are bad at the, like, believe it or not, I think Tom Quinn was worse at his job. Well, the special teams were good in 2019, so, like, okay, Judge brings him back. Cool. But then to survive all this and last year, I don't get it. Let's talk about the defense. I don't need special teams to be good. I just need them to not be a fucking negative on the game. I don't need them to be good. And they consistently are negative. Talk about the defense. Defensively, this was a good game for the defense. But I'm going to be honest. Maybe this is me being a little mad. I still want more. The Seahawks' offensive line was just as banged up as the Giants'. Like the only advantage they had is they actually had a tackle playing left tackle, um, and Stone Forsyth. Uh, did a film breakdown on him in that draft class. So the pass rush was pretty solid. Like Cave on now, one of them was garbage time, but Cave on had two sacks, two QB hits. Aziz got the corner a couple times. Leo and Deck got pressure. But part of me is like after watching the Giants' offensive line get overwhelmed in three games. Like playing that Seahawks offensive line, I'm I'm kind of point like, well, why didn't why don't we have who have all this money and investment up front just dominate them up front. Um, but in a game where the offense lost the game, they did play well. Again, they only gave up 281 yards, five and a half yards per play, and 14 of the points. One was a pick six, and the other one was a seven yard drive off of a fumble. Now, the one touchdown that they did give up on their own was very frustrating with Drew Locke in the game, which I think Drew Locke actually would have been better for them because Drew Locke was mobile, and I think a mobile Drew Locke was probably a little better than banged up Geno at that point. Um, And Locke was just getting outside the pocket, and Giants' coverage was breaking down. Uh, But the Giants were able to get up into Geno pretty well. Um, Basically, most of the guys on defense showed up outside outside of Deontay Banks and then Bobby O'Karake, dude, like has just these weird like hesitation plays. Like that no, that big play that Noah Fant, he's running like just go make the fucking tackle on the sideline. And he's like, like run him over, man. He just breaks down and he runs past. Him. I don't understand it with O'Karake, where there's so many like again, O'Karake had two tackles for loss. Like the run defense was there are very times good he in looks this really good, and then there are times where he just randomly Kenneth, gets hesitant and allows for big plays. Kenneth Walker. Uh, now, I, now I will say, I, I'm I'm curious if you take out that 31 yard run. I think it was in the fourth quarter. Like I was I have it. at that point. I have if, the splits. Pre, they, pre-pick they allowed, six. Yeah, go ahead. Pre-pick six. Walker is averaging 3.4 yards per carry. It felt like less than that to be honest. And but again, Walker is the kind of guy who has like one or two runs that helps get the balance up. 
And then post pick six, it was 7.6 yards per carry. I mean, they did they did a pretty damn good job on Walker for the most part. There was a lot of negative plays. And, and honestly, that got them into some pass rush situations by yeah. constantly shutting down the run. Even though yeah. if you go look at the box score, it's not, it doesn't look like a great rushing game. But there was like one – again, I want to get back to Okereke. There was one Okereke play where it's a Kenneth Walker five-yard run. Bobby Okereke makes a tackle. But Bobby Okereke just like waits for him to like come to him. It's like, dude, go – Go get him. You're untouched. Like me, that that five yard play could be a two or three yard play, and a second and seven and a second and five is like the difference between a successful first down play and an unsuccessful first down play. So, but overall, I thought like I thought the the Okereke good plays outweighed the uh, uh, the the bad plays. So that's yeah, I and mean, the fan one was really fucking bad. But the there fan, was- and that and that's a that's a shitty thing about this defense is because this this defense, like I said, two drives where they allowed forty yards. Um, and I think the offense just continually put them in bad situations. Um, offense had terrible starting field position. Well, I feel like the Seahawks relatively had good starting field position uh, th- throughout the game. Um, you know, two drives. I'm gonna say it over and over again. Two drives where they where they had 40 yards. Uh, but it's that one. It's that one freaking play. It's that. It's that one play. So frustrating that you can't get Noah Fan out of bounds, and he's just running up, running up that right sideline. But I thought the defense did play well. Um, you know, I thought K- Kayvon and Aziz, that first, that first drive of the game, like seeing Kayvon finish and get the sack and even Aziz was bending the edge well. Um, that was really cool to see. You want to talk about, you know, Kayvon a little bit, recorded two sacks this game. Yeah, he had two QB hits, two tackles for loss. So I'm excited to watch him. He's probably the only player I'm just excited to watch on film because, hey, like he was being challenged by us and every and basically everyone, everyone. for Carl Banks was challenging him to be better. Um, and because he needed to be, it was really bad. And I, I Stepped up to the plate in this game. Again, I'd like to watch the film and see how it was from start to finish. And it's bad tackle play, so you don't take victory laps. But, man, the it, the, pre, the heat could have gotten way hotter. And it's at least bought him some time where it's like, hey, you put together a good performance. And that's something with like, hey, I don't care if it's bad tackle play. Take advantage of the bad tackle play. Um, and Kayvon Thibodeau certainly did that. So ha- happy for him, at least, um, as Again, like I with that, like with Evan Neal, we talked about it on the preview pod where I was like, the conversation to me is different. Where Evan Neal's like, he's never shown any ability that he's going to be good in the right. NFL, where Kayvon did. So it's like, wake the wake the hell up with Evan Neal. So it's like, please go, get better somehow. With Kayvon, it's like a wake up. And I, I thought he did that in this game. Banks. I was going to move to Banks next. So I'll give you a stat. Um, Giants rookie Deontay Banks, and this is from Next Gen. Giants rookie Deontay Banks shadowed DK Metcalf on 100% of his 25 routes, allowing three receptions on four targets, 34 yards, and a touchdown as the nearest defender. So that stat line looks looks pretty good. Only eight yards after the catch, by the way, when DK is known as a yak guy. The touchdown was rough. I saw that happen like in live time. It was a really smooth play by DK Metcalf where he's like locked up with Deontay Banks, locked up with Deontay Banks. Geno Smith throws that ball. He is still locked up with Deontay Banks. Banks probably doesn't even know the ball's coming. DK, fast twitch muscle fibers, boom, breaks away. Touchdown Giants. D, uh, uh, Geno's able to throw that towards like the outside shoulder and towards the sideline. So I think DK just sent Deontay Banks to school on that play. But if Deontay Banks was the guy to shadow DK Metcalf on 100% of his 25 routes, I still do consider that a success for Deontay Banks. Yeah, my he just he's been consistently kind of losing at the catch space through 
essentially every game after Dallas. And who's like, winning who's, at the catch space on this team? I mean, Adore. Now, Adore hasn't been great, but Banks is losing at the catch space, and that's something where I think – I don't know if it's a confidence thing or what, but I, I'd much rather it be that than what we saw at the beginning of camp where he's getting cooked off the release and burnt, right? So it's – but I do want to see him play with a little more confidence – now again, this week is first DK Metcalf. Last week he was against Ronnie Bell. Like it's obviously two totally different guys. And when DK was the guy we were worried about going into this game. Um and Gino went to him versus the blitzes and man coverage. But they were able to pressure Gino. And then once Gino got injured, uh Gino wasn't able to do very much. And again, the run defense was good. So and this is what that's where it's frustrating, Justin, is where we said, like, if DJ just has any performance he had last year in this game, the Giants win this game. And you're two and two, and there's things to clean up and stuff, but you you move forward two and two, right? And instead, you move forward at one and three, facing the Dolphins, then the Bills, and this could get bad. This can get ugly quick, man. Like, yeah, games that look winnable a week or two ago may not, you know, or or you know, the easy part of the schedule will quickly you become the easy part of the schedule for other teams. Um. And that's not a good place to be. So we'll see how things go. But it's, it's impossible to feel good about this team right now. So we'll we'll talk about some big picture stuff on the on the mailbag pod. Do you have anything else from the game? No, I mean I I I do feel much better about this defense than you know compared to heading into this game. They showed some good stuff versus the 49ers, but the third and longs were really tough against the 49ers. Now the positive thing is is that we knew. The one thing that we knew about the Seahawks heading into this game, and then the one thing that worked, it's like we talked about on offense. Well, we knew that they were a bad, explosive play defense. Well, the Giants didn't take advantage of that. The one thing that the Giants did take advantage of is the fact that the Seahawks were so bad on third down. We talked about that on the preview pod, and the Seahawks were 3-for-12 on third down. And they got them into a lot of third and long situations. And then that's where Wink Martindale was able to get in his bag. And I thought outside of that one Noah Fant play, that's really tough and it's really inexcusable by a lot of guys on that defense. But I thought the tackling was actually good. You know, Geno Smith's average depth of target was like three yards. And I, and that means that if Geno Smith is completing passes three yards down the field, you do need guys to come up and make tackles. And I thought guys were coming up and making tackles. Um, So, I feel much better about this defense. Like being like, I, I thought like if you were to tell me giants lose this game, it's because they allow over 30 points and it's this defense that's had trouble tackling and getting off the field on third downs. And Kayvon Thibodeau hasn't showed up yet. Like I think, okay, well that's the reason why we lost this game is because the defense just didn't show up and they freaking showed up, man. Well, like one, one legit touchdown allowed in this game, one legit touchdown. You're muted. Yeah, basically. I mean, DJ had the lowest average depth of target this week and in the entire season. Gino had the second lowest, 3.6. All right, so before we get out of here, we texted about it briefly. We were supposed to have a watch party for Sunday Night Football versus the Bills. We can't do that now, right? People aren't going to show up. No. No. No, people are not going to show. So up. we'll text Bill in the morning and be like, "Hey, I don't think we can do this." It I just is... don't think it's smart to do it. Like I, I understand from. Well, I don't think a, people are going to show up 
I understand from a venue standpoint, it's like, yeah, you know, we want to, there's, you know, there's this venue that, you know, we've been talking to for a while that wants to get more involved with watch parties and getting a football crowd in there at their place. But I, I just, I just don't think it's a smart thing to do. And like, I, I, I would feel, I like, think about it as myself. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would want to pay money to go and watch a bad football team and odds are what's going to be a bad game. So we'll we'll try and and Sunday night football night game. You know, it's a school night, work night, whatever. So So um, if we don't do it, I do have a hotel and flight booked. No, you do not. Yeah, I do. To go to Buffalo. Oh, 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 no, that's right. Well, no, you're coming up here regardless. So I thought I thought you were saying you had a hotel flight booked to Buffalo. We can do one of two things. We can just do like a live stream from the office. Actually, one of three things. I could just not go. Which, to be honest, as a human being, I think that's the thing I'd want to do. But I'm not. I don't want to waste company money and, and might as well take advantage. Or we could drive to Buffalo and stay in Danny King's dorm, um, and go to the Bills game. And there just is like, no way this season's over. We are staying in Danny King's dorm. It'd be a good experience. You always, you always shoot me down on these things, and then people You're end up loving them. Six foot seven. I'm, I'm a six foot human being. I am twenty five years old. I am no longer of college age. I'm not. I don't feel like I'm a peer of them anymore. Well, you're not. But we're gonna go stay in Danny King's dorm, and uh. And go to the game and just is enjoy he, Sunday night football right, he's game a in Buffalo. Senior. He's a senior, right? Yeah. He should be living in an apartment by now. But he's not. He's, I don't think he is. He's in a dorm. Uh, his room does look like a dorm. I think he's still. I think he's in a dorm. Um, he's a senior. What are you doing in a dorm, Danny King? And maybe Get he's not. But but I think we're gonna have to stay in Danny King's dorm and go to the Bills game. I'd rather sleep in the van. It's gonna be cold. I like the cold. Um, maybe not. Maybe not Buffalo. How cold. long of a drive is that? What's well, uh? It's longer than you think. It's longer than you think because Buffalo is like legit close to Canada. So I'm just gonna put Buffalo in my phone right now. Buffalo, New York. It is a. Oh, it's a six. It's a five. It's a six-hour drive. I thought it was longer. I can't believe we drove to Detroit. That was a crazy can, thing. Can I say, how did the offense look so good in training camp? How did the year before it look like it? And again, this is where it's like, I don't care what you're, I don't care how much of a pessimist you were. As, as long as you weren't a troll, no one could have envisioned this. How is it so bad? I, I don't understand it, right? Darren like, Waller was the offense and was targeted every single day he was out there. And then, and then the days that he wasn't targeted, it was the mate, it was the, f- maintenance days you had the preseason drive right i don't care if it's just fucking preseason like that shit looked efficient as fuck and like we've seen dj this is the fifth year of dj right and we're doing like i couldn't i cannot believe we're having like is this dj's worst game conversation with this personnel around him it's very bad um all right that's an episode uh we will be back for a mailbag it'll be out on thursday we didn't come to a consensus well, we'll see what the listeners say. How about that? Let's see what the listeners say. Do um, not, do not, do not pressure us to stay in Danny King's door. 
well, just do what you think is best. We'll just what makes for best content, bro? It's all about the content. Slate content. Slaves to the content, bro. We got to figure out a way to keep this season somewhat interesting. I mean, that's we're at our best when the Giants are bad. That's a fact. That's when true. we. That's when we get our most creative. And I always say, don't think about the moment. Think about the memory. I always say that. That is one of my lines that I just made up, and it's honestly a banger too. You know what? That's that's you just made that up. You didn't yeah. steal that from anybody. No, I didn't. I actually did just make that up. What's the line? It's not about the moment. It's about the memory. I think you gotta put that. Kinda, it's kind of good. I think you gotta like put that on like a mug and like sit like that's like you. Someone, that's someone like, tweet that quote at the show. First one that does it, I'll retweet it. That's like you sitting on a beach sipping on your morning coffee, and then that saying is on your mug. Actually, I'm gonna schedule a tweet from Talking Giants right now it's not about the moment it's about the memory well i i gotta get one i want people to listen to the pod right and danny king is like you know he's a little out of the loop sometimes yeah danny king won't be awake until 11 45 a.m it's not about the moment i have to fly this week and go to a wedding so we got to do the mailbag at like 9 a.m on wednesday are we gonna do it live no, because I'd be too early. Um, it's not about a moment, about the moment. It's about the memory. Bobby Skinner on today's podcast trying to convince Justin to go to Buffalo and stay. And on Danny King's floor. Danny King's. We'll buy mat- like air mattresses. We're not sleeping on the floor. Staying in Danny King's dorm. Uh, ah, shit. Uh, this is what I'm actually using the undo button. Fuck yes. I accidentally pressed tweet. I wanted to schedule that. Good for you. I've used that undo button like four times. All right. October 3rd. How much money do you get paid on Twitter this month? Like 300 bucks. Whoa. I actually get a decent little check from it. So if like someone does like you pay for Twitter thing, I part of me wants to respond. Like actually I'm getting paid, but then it's like, ah, it's not that serious, Bob. So just let them get off their joke. And, but I actually haven't gotten that yet. Cause I don't say stupid, that stupid as shit. All right. That's an episode. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, Thursday. We'll have a mailbag pod out and then we'll be previewing the freaking Miami dolphins. I'll be in a hotel. Uh, wedding weekend we'll see you then until then let's go big blue